We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday. We are back. We're excited to be here. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, episode 1108, 11.08. And if we keep with the theme of uh, historical Packers, I'm going to go back to my childhood here. We got 11 for Ty Detmer, 8 for Mark Brunel, which is a great reminder that the Packers at one point had Favre Ty Detmer, Mark Brunel, and Kurt Warner in the same training camp. So uh, that's a they fun did? fact. Holy smokes. <laughs> oh, our, Sorry, you didn't intro me yet. They, I had no idea they, if Mark Brunel was ever on the Packers. That's wild. Yeah. We're not even supposed to tell people you're here yet, man. I know. I, we, I, we, my mind's blown by quarterback room. We, we, we always try to sneak in who the guest is without realizing that it's just in the episode description. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So so now now we've blown it, but I'll let I'll let Kyle do an introduction of our super yes. special guest. We are we are super excited to be joined by Mark Brunel. No, I'm just kidding. We're not joined by Mark Brunel. Uh, today we are joined by the one and only Ben Solak. If you didn't recognize the voice, Ben is with us for the third time on the Packaday podcast. We are honestly not sure why he keeps showing up, but he does, and we're super excited about it. You may know his work. Uh, from the work he's done formerly with the Draft Network and Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, but Ben has recently announced in just the last couple days that he is joining The Ringer to continue to create amazing NFL and NFL draft content. If you are not familiar with Ben, you absolutely should be. He's an awesome follow on Twitter, and whether it's the NFL draft or just football in general, he is your guy. So thanks for taking the time, Ben, and welcome back to the Pack of A podcast. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, I uh, I honestly, I first I thought it was my second time, uh, so I'm glad he was my third time. And yeah, it's because it's good podcast, good show, good questions. And so now I'm 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 happy to be back on. And who doesn't want to talk about Green Bay nowadays, man? Absolutely. There, there's just there's just a few things in the news about the Packers that are uh, semi interesting. But before we get started with the questions, I just wanted to say, uh, you you know I 
I rave about the Draft Network all the time on this show. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot more chances to sing the praises. You know, we've had you on the show several times. We've had Joe Marino on the show several times. But I, I just wanted to take a second to share something that I was reflecting on earlier this week. Kyle and I, we, we do this podcasting stuff for fun. Uh, it's a passion. And I'm pretty sure neither of us at our point in our lives are, are thinking about turning sports talk into a career. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn for Kyle here. But, like, we absolutely love doing this. But seriously, the best part may be the opportunities that we get to interact with somebody that we know is going to be a really big deal in the industry in the future. And we've had a few people, past and present, who are on the Pack-A-Day podcast, some were hosts, some were guests, that that absolutely rings true for. But Ben is definitely one of those people. And, and maybe, honestly, at the top of the list, and I have to say, like, the first time we had you on the show, I think it was two years ago, like I recognize that immediately. So a big congratulations on your success. And I know you're going to do some really exciting things with the ringer that I'm excited to see. And it's going to be really cool to see you in the future and say, like, I knew that guy before he was super famous. Man, I don't know. To, I don't know what to say that, Andrew. I'm very appreciative of that. Um, it's really, uh, I'm very thankful for not only like all the investment that I got in from TDN. Cause like, I was, I have no journalism school background, no, like, you know, football coach background, you know, raised in the sport, like nothing like that. And TDN took a huge swing on me, which is a testament to uh, to Joe Marino, a testament to Kyle Krabs, those guys who, who chose to bring me on several years ago now. Kyle reflected that we've worked together for four years, and I was like, holy smokes, like, that's my whole adult life. Um, but so not only for the investment that those guys gave in me, um, but then when, right, I, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to move on, new opportunity, great opportunity. Everybody was so supportive there. Everybody was so happy for me there. And that's that's friendship, right? It's more than uh, coworkers. And so, uh, you know, I uh, in my reflections on like moving on from my first spot and taking my first ever like new new gig and whatever, uh, I'm just so thankful for those people. They were good people to be around as like a young writer who had no idea what he was doing. And I'm still a young writer who has no idea what he's doing. And I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to be around the, the people, the ringer, because I think they're good people, too. But I really was very, very lucky with the individuals that surrounded me uh, to the degree to which uh, I'm really just a product of them. Uh, and so TDN is a uh, they do good draft content. They, they're they're right about players. They produce cool stuff. But they're also just like really great people who work there. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, like Trevor Sigma, these guys are awesome awesome humans and so uh that's paramount above everything else in this field and life just like you know be be nice be cool be kind and so i love those guys and i'm still very good friends with them still chat with them but i'm gonna miss them every day man it's really cool to hear you talk about that i mean we know community is huge and anytime you can find that in any place of work man like it's that's the cherry on top and i know just this is a teaser um we haven't talked about this publicly yet but uh joe marino is actually talking with us about popping on maybe in the next couple weeks we got a preseason game coming up with the buffalo bills and he may jump on and talk with us so we always value the relationship we have with you guys uh over at tdn and really really cool to hear about all of that and what that's been as an experience for you um, but let's go ahead and jump in here. Um, it's been a couple months since the NFL draft now, but we're kind of in peak training camp mode where, you know, we're getting kind of our first long look at some of these guys that came out in the 2021 rookie class. And the Packers took corner Eric Stokes with their first round selection this spring. And it, it sounds like Devontae Adams and some of the other Packers wide receivers have been taking Stokes to school just a little bit they've thrown him into the fire they've given him some of the tough matchups in camp they're not 
babying him as they work him into this defense. Uh, So he's shown some positive flashes, but by all accounts, Stokes is playing well, like like you would expect a rookie to play at this point. So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on Stokes as a prospect and where you think he'll thrive and what will give him fits maybe as he adjusts to the NFL. Yeah, tough to be a rookie corner, brother. Don't go well. Uh, very rare. You get, you, you know, even like it's funny, like who is the best rookie corner of recent memory? Marshawn Lattimore. And then he got like worse. You know what I mean? Like it's very corners, a very volatile position and it's mm. very tough to play well as a rookie. Uh, and for a player like Stokes, who wasn't always, you know, oh, I'm mirroring wide receiver one when he was at Georgia. He played with Tyson Campbell and he played in that Kirby Smart defense. Certainly like, you know, it's like, all right, go cover Devonte Adams in camp. Like that's new. Uh, and yeah. that would be tough. <laughs> You'd be drafted number one overall. It's going to be tough. Devonte Adams. Uh, 29 is different. I, I, I spoke a lot about Stokes as my favorite, like outside of the first round corner uh, during the cycle. And obviously the Packers ended up taking him at 29. Uh, they take him before Tyson Campbell, which is appropriate. I had him ranked higher than that. Uh, I think they would have loved for Greg Newsom to fall to him, but he was the best corner on my board. And so like, I understand why they made the pick and I think it's a good pick. Uh, you know, I, I would have taken him at 35. Well, 29 is, is still okay. It's a premium position. And to the point of, you know, rookies having some struggles early. Well, you bring back Kevin King on a one-year deal, right? Kevin mm-hmm. King's a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, right, that gives you your, okay, if he's not playing better than Kevin King, uh, that's kind of stinks, but you can at least put Kevin King <laughs> in there. And, and you know, Kevin was okay during the regular season. Obviously, the Bucks picked on him a little bit, and hopefully Stokes can come on in the second half of the year. And then if, you know, if not, all right, then you let King walk and you let Stokes take the job in year two and you expect a little bit more stability. Um, He's a very well-rounded player. Uh, he has cardinal athletic traits, but he doesn't have like one particular mode of coverage where I think like, oh, he's best press man, catch man, off zone. Like he's he's kind of just a, a jack of all trades, what Georgia asked him to be, which I think will be good for a Joe Barry defense that, uh, you know, f- we don't really know too much about it yet, but I think it, it's going to have some versatility to it. They're obviously going to still play a lot of zone with J.R. Alexander there. He's going to have a good safety duo protecting him. I love the Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage duo. So he's not going to have everything on his plate whenever it is he eventually gets that time and he'll be able to come along slowly so i don't think you're gonna get oh top five lockdown corner duo jair alexander and and eric stokes this year i don't think that's gonna happen um but he's absolutely projects as a quality corner too because he can you know play man on wide receiver two one week and then be a cover three corner the next week and then be a cover two corner the next week and he gives you that versatility which obviously jair is is unbelievably versatile can do everything very well uh so i, I like the pick the cardinal athletic traits appropriate in the first round it makes sense it's just important as always to temper your expectations for rookie corners so then in the second round the packers went and got josh myers the center out of ohio state and by all accounts he's been way ahead of the curve for what we would expect for a rookie aaron Rodgers has been singing his praise at basically every opportunity and obviously, like, this is with no pads on. But but apparently, he's handling the learning curve really well, which is the the part for a rookie center that I was most concerned about. So what did you see out of Myers as a prospect? And do you think he was ready to maybe take over a starting center role in year one? Yeah, uh, Myers was a tricky one to figure out because he definitely has starter ability. But he, you know... Right now in the NFL, there's kind of two modals, right? There's uh, we're going to be wide zone. So our center is going to be like 290 pounds. It's going to be Garrett Bradbury, right? For your NFC North comparison. Yep. I uh, not going to be able to hold up pass direction 1v1, but boy, can he move. Uh, not Myers. Myers is a good zone blocker. He understands how to get through his combo blocks. He doesn't have that level of lateral quickness. Or 
you're going to be a, a, a bruising center, a mauling center. You're Frank Ragnows of the world, right? Another NFC North comparison where we're going to be able to run duo behind you because you're going to take double teams and walk them upfield. We're going to be able to pull you and you're going to be devastating in the second level. And again, it's not Myers because he's not that big. He's not that strong. He's not that physical. He's not that dominating type. He, like Stokes, is just very well-rounded. He is great with his combo blocks. He understands how to use his length. He understands how to work his angles. He's got great uses of timing, and he's good pass protector. He's got a great head on his shoulders for dealing with blitzes. That entire Ohio State protection page of the playbook was like three words long, right? They had like three protections. And so there wasn't complex stuff, and teams were able to get blitzes off in that interior offensive line successfully because it was it was pretty basic rules. But you can tell that Myers is thinking on his feet. He's recognizing when blitzes are coming. He's helping Justin Fields identify blitzers and set protections. So he, you can tell he had a good head on his shoulders. Uh, I think that, right, what you're seeing in camp is that he can handle more mentally than Ohio State's protections ever really asked of him. The question for me is, Lindsley was so good when they were running mm-hmm. wide zone, right? And they, they obviously, they want to run split zone with Aaron Jones. Um, but when they were running wide zone, he was really good. Uh, I'm not sure Myers has that level of movement skills. It's good enough that you put him there so you can put Elton Jenkins somewhere else, probably. But it's I don't think he's got the ceiling that Lindsley was able to hit when he came out of Ohio State. And so, good pick in round two. If you're going to start in center in round two, you did good work. Um, but I do think that the ceiling is lower than what Green Bay and Packers fans have enjoyed unbelievable interior offensive line play for years. I think Myers is just a little bit lower ceiling than some of those previous guys. Yeah, I think it's taken a little while. Uh, you know, Packers fans clamoring for wide receivers and all those kinds of things. There's a couple other centers on the board. And so I think the Josh Myers pick kind of came out of nowhere on, you know, that second day of the draft. But I mean, obviously the Packers are hoping to go from one incredible Ohio State center to the next. And we'll see if that pans out here as we get into the preseason and into the regular season. Um, mentioned the Packers fans wanting the next wide receiver here. Um, and I think it's pretty well known that you are a big Amari Rogers fan. And I think you're an even bigger fan of Amari having landed with the Green Bay Packers there in what was the third round. Your pinned tweet is a video of you gushing about how much you love Amari in Green Bay. So on the podcast today, you go ahead and tell us, because we love to hear it, just how awesome Amari Rodgers is going to be in this Matt LaFleur offense and why you believe that's going to be the case. Yeah, it's, it's my pin tweaks. I look pretty good in it. I look, I look, <laughs> it's a good looking poll, though. Uh, no, right. I like the fact that you send over the questions beforehand and it's like, Eric Stokes, what did you think of him beforehand? How does he fit? And then the Amari Rodgers question is just Amari Rodgers. And there's no context to it, which is great. Um, I really liked how the Packers used Tyler Urban last year when he was healthy because they needed... In that LaFleur offense, you want that jet sweep player, that motion at the snap player to be a legitimate threat to take the football and have not necessarily an explosive run, but a five yard run and a six yard run, a run that puts your offense at or ahead of schedule. Because if you get that, the defense has to respect it. And and if the defense has to respect it, they have to commit that person, that body to respecting the jet sweep, especially when it's motion at the snap when you're running split zone. They used Urban for that, and they would try to get some gadgety touches for him. It never really manifested. They then signed Tavon Austin, exact same idea, never really manifested. That's the role that I imagine they want to work with Amari Rodgers. Yes, he's going to run his five-yard option route from the slot, and Aaron Rodgers is going to throw him open, and it's going to be nice. He's going to do traditional slot stuff. But he's got a running back build. He's got returner experience, and he's not like— super explosive or super fast, but he is a smart, industrious runner who's able to be physical through contact. He's got that running back build, right? Like five foot 10, 210, right? And so the 
boon that that's going to give them in their split zone series. And when I say split zone series, I mean like, all right, split zone and then split zone play action and then split zone play action, but it's like a reverse and then like split zone, but it's play action. But instead of being a post, it's a corner, like like the whole series off of the same pre-snap looks. Amari Rogers in motion at the snap is going to force defenses to be more honest to that series, which is the bread and butter of this offense. And you see the Rams try to do this with Tutu Atwell. They made that pick. You see the Niners when they brought in Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel, two receivers with very good with the ball in their hands. All of that is in this mold. Amari in the round three is so much better value than like 2-2 two, two in round two. Uh, so I really like the way they targeted that guy. I think that he's going to be good for them in the slides. You can give them on base downs, but it's really going to be the jet motion and, and working that series, that 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 foundational part of their offense. He's going to add another layer to that. He's going to be able to contribute on special teams. Uh, to me, that's understanding what your offense needs. It's a very good front office coaching staff harmony, which, you know, Green Bay could use a little more harmony these days. So I like it. People, uh... <laughs> People questioned the Packers moving up for that pick a little bit. You know, did you give up too much? And Brian what they give said, up? oh, what did they give up, Andrew? Did they give up a fourth to get up there? I have no idea. Off That's on Wikipedia, baby. Let's go. Uh, Amari <laughs> we'll Rogers. Have our, we'll have our producer. Yeah, work. they exchanged a third and a fourth round pick. Yeah, I mean, that's a fourth round pick to move up seven spots is a bit, but I don't care. It's a good pick. Well, no Brian, one's going to remember that if Amari Rogers yeah, is good. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And Brian Gutekunst in his press conference said it was about the player. It was really important that we acquired that specific player. And I think I was really excited when they did it because we've been clamoring for that kind of gadget player for a long time who could do some different kinds of things. And Matt LaFleur always talks about the illusion of complexity that you've basically sprinkled into this whole conversation. And I think he is excited as a coach to have somebody who can do that. Just like you said, they've been kind of lacking that. So it's exciting. We'll see what happens. But man, uh, Mari Rogers and number eight is looking pretty slick there so far in Packers camp. Andrew, you want to get us into the uh, later rounds here? Yeah, sure. I was just going to say, I I don't know if Ben knows this. I know our listeners are going to roll their eyes because they've heard this every single day since the Packers announced the acquisition of Randall Cobb. But um, Cobb was coached by T. Martin, Amari Rogers' dad, and there's always been a bond there. And I think that's sort of obviously the Cobb transaction was was you know Randall Cobb was brought in to appease Aaron Rodgers but the the subset of that is can Amari Rodgers turn into more than just that gadget player because Randall Cobb coming into the league 2011 uh you know he he was a quarterback for a while at Kentucky and he played wide receiver there was some position question there right like he played a little bit of running back he played a little bit of wide receiver and so I I think to have him to be sort of an additional coach to Amari Rogers is going to be another really interesting uh twist on on that trade and and I'm I'm excited to see both how Amari Rogers develops because of that, but then what creative ways can the Packers get both Cobb and Amari Rogers on the field at the same time? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think Cobb is the uh, ideal dude to learn from, too, if you want to learn how to be a savvy slot. And, and Amari needs some of that in terms of, like, he ran four routes at Clemson. Cobb's, Cobb's a good guy to, to to just follow around camp like a puppy a little bit and be like, all right, how are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You know what I mean? Because that's um, Cobb's got a lot of football acumen that would benefit Rodgers for the long term in his career. Yeah. And so getting into those middle rounds, I know I know Kyle was just destroying Brian Gutekunst a few minutes no. ago for giving up that additional fourth. But <laughs> um, <laughs> the Packers did have three picks in rounds four and five. They ended up getting offensive lineman Royce Newman from Mississippi, TJ Slayton, the monster defensive lineman from Florida, and Shamar Jean Charles, the defensive back from Appalachian State. So is, is there any one of those players that sticks out to you, Ben, and uh you know, what do you, do you think any of those players could be contributors early on? Uh, I mean, it turns out that, you know, TJ Slayton's going to be a little pick six machine, right? He's going to be a big part of the passing <laughs> defense, apparently. That was a good clip. I enjoyed it. Uh, I really, I really hope he did the BJ Raji hip swivel afterwards. Oh, man. I love BJ Raji. I forgot about BJ Raji. He's the man. Um, I think Tadarrell, TJ Slayton, I forget what he's going by in the league. Is it TJ? That's what we have. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So TJ um, is an important player because uh, not in 2020, Ke- uh, uh, Kevin Clark, he didn't take the, the same percentage of snaps. He missed a little bit of time with injury. Um, but in 2019, Kevin Clark took like 900 snaps or something like that. You know what I mean? Which just when you're carrying 300 plus pounds, you do not want that player to be taking that number of snaps. And yeah, in 2020, he was regularly over 80% of the snaps for your defense. It's an increasing thing that we see in the league that you want to be able to rotate your big guys. You know, in the offensive line, you don't do it as much because continuity is so important. But on the defensive line, if you can do it weeks one through 10, then your your monsters start to be really fresh when you get to playoff time, which obviously matters for Green Bay. The other thing that's true is that uh, defensive coordinators are increasingly realizing and accepting the fact that if you can steal a gap in the running game you get an additional body against the passing game that's going to help you on defense now mike Patton took that to a pretty extreme level uh and that was to the defense's detriment so i'm not fully endorsing you know oh we're going to be neutral in the box because you know we all remember the 2019 nfc championship game and how raheem Mostert ran for i think 700 yards was the final total so like there's there's <laughs> there's limits Jeez. to this but if you can get a, a brick house like like tj slay you know 340 odd pounds in the interior on base downs and still be successful with your pass rush with the Smith brothers with Rashawn Gary, then you're gonna be able to take Kenny Clark off the field. And that's going to be to Kenny Clark's benefit. And if you're still staunch against the run with Slayton, which Slayton can be that two gapping nose tackle, gobble up a bunch of space, keep your linebackers clean. You're getting 
fewer snaps out of Kenny Clark, which is critical because it's going to help him be fresher, help him be healthy later in the year. But you're also still uh, uh, retaining soundness against the run while, while getting that extra number against the pass, which Joe Barry coming from that, that Brandon Staley defense last year saw in person front row seat just how beneficial that can be uh, to your defensive structure and, and, and to the, the coverages that you can then run. So if you can get a 30% of the snap early down nose tackle in round five, you made a good pick. And, and to me, Slayton has that ability. Uh, he's always been more potential than production, though, even going to Florida and coming out of high school and whatever. And so important that the coaching staff there, which Green Bay's got a really good coaching staff, gets a fire under his butt a little bit and gets him mind right now because he, he's a pro and so he, he's got to be able to put up or shut up this is the final frontier here so i like tj slate and i like picking him in round five i think it could be important to the defense he's just got to get his head screwed on straight so i'm having a little bit of ptsd from the most yardage uh comment that you made that threw me back a little bit but i'm gonna recover we're gonna move on because that hurts me but uh, this is kind of the Packers' M.O. They get into these later rounds, and they take big swings on players like Slayton, who, if things go well, will be an impact player and could be a boom player for them. So that's what we're hoping, that that helps that run defense out, as you have alluded to. But they did some more of that as we got into these other picks at the end of the draft. Uh, they rounded out their class with Wisconsin offensive lineman Cole Van Lennon uh, and Isaiah McDuffie in the sixth. But maybe even more interesting was their final selection in this whole class. They took Kylan Hill, the running back from Mississippi State. Oh, I should have said Kylan. That's a good pick. You like Kylan? Yeah. I mean, Kylan's another player where there was like drama in terms of how he prepared during the week. And Mike Leach tends to be a coach that can run people the wrong way. And obviously, Kylan took a, a bold and an impressive stance in terms of the Mississippi State flag. And that kind of rubs some people the wrong way as well. Um, and so there was there's you know, questions about what he's like in a locker room, whether warranted or unwarranted, that led to his fall. He's a better player than round seven. Uh, you know, he's got the body, the slasher ability, the size, the explosiveness to be that that Jamal Williams style runner in terms of if you're just running me on zone, I'm going to get you four yards and I'm going to get it every single goddamn time. Uh, and that's awesome for the Packers. That's great for keeping Aaron Jones legs fresh. He's got receiving ability. We saw a little bit of that uh, this past year as well. And so you can you can look into that more. I love the way they build that entire backfield it's aaron mm -hmm. jones and then just a bunch of hammers and yeah. kylan hill is a hammer aj Dillon is a big hammer patrick taylor is a big hammer like that's <laughs> I, I like the way they've got that that room built a lot and hill to me is can very clearly stick above dexter williams uh, and probably can push patrick taylor as well um and so yeah he he's a he's a good scheme fit and he's a better player than round seven that's really fun. It's it's fun to hear you jump out of your chair a little bit for that Packers running back room. And I, I also thought like maybe fourth or fifth round for Kylan Hill. Obviously, there were some complications in there, but uh, you got to feel pretty good about where that running back room is sitting right now. We'll see seventh round picks. You never know. But again, they're taking big swings for the fences with these guys. Uh, obviously, the offseason has been anything but quiet for Packers fans. It's been a stressful season for us. We've followed cryptic social media posts. We've tracked the whereabouts of Aaron Rodgers' private jet. We've followed him to Hawaii. We've watched him play golf. We've tried to let Wyatt Teller and uh, his fiance, Miss Woodley, give us hints about what is actually going to happen between Rodgers and the Packers. Really, whether or not he was going to show up at all or if we needed to kind of embrace this idea of a trade or even something as crazy as retirement of the NFL MVP. So Packers fans have been spoiled. We know this. We went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we've talked about Ty Detmer. We've talked about Mark Brunel. 
it's been a riches of quarterbacks here. So opinions on the situation are all over the map. Ben, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this situation from someone who's a little bit more emotionally removed maybe from the situation. I think, uh, firstly, like the Rogers press conference when he reported to camp was awesome, right? Because firstly, like it was just like, all right, it was very clear. This is what we're dealing with. This is what I care about. This is how things have gone. It was also just indicative of of who Rogers is and some of the uh, difficulties that come with uh, managing a team that's got him at, at the forefront because Rogers is a, a personality, right? Like uh, the way that I, I um my wife is is completely just doesn't know anything about football, right? And so I've been like updating her on this Aaron Rodgers saga because it's fun. Um, and uh, the way I like I, I said it to her was like Rogers. It's super important to him that everybody knows that he doesn't care what they think. And it's critical that they all think that he doesn't care what they think, which is <laughs> very paradoxical because it means he cares a lot about what they think. So long as what they think is that he doesn't care. You know what I mean? So like he's, right. he's got this this air of of, of kind of aloofness uh, that he likes to maintain. And that presser was, you know, kind of indicative of that, where it was like, you know, I will be the one to come and reveal all of the great Green Bay secrets that have, you know, upset me and so on and so forth. And it's his place to do so because he's legitimately upset with good reason. Um, There is no doubt that in the 31 other franchises, a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers ability would have a lot more influence on personnel and coaching decisions than Rodgers has had. And it's understandable why he's frustrated. I think he's vindicated in that frustration because Packers had an offense uh, by the end of the 2019 season and then throughout the 2020 season that was very clearly Super Bowl caliber. And then they had like a defense that wasn't, you know what I mean? And like, that's right. got to be frustrating. You know what I mean? Like that is that is annoying. Um, and then obviously you see your guy, Corey Lindsley or your guy, Jay Coomer or whatever players who other franchises have been like, yeah, just keep Jay Coomer. Like Aaron Rodgers wants Jay Coomer, whatever. It's Jay Coomer. <laughs> Um, and like, that's not really how, how, how Green Bay runs things. And, and, um, so it's very much a clash between a personality and a philosophy, which is not new uh, to the NFL. And it's understandable on both sides. I understand why Brian Goonkin says I was brought up doing this. Green Bay's always done this and we've been a very, very successful franchise. So I'm not going to stop. And I understand why Rogers would say, well, it's a different league than it has been. And I'm a different personality than Favre was. And, you know, you got to treat me differently. You got to adjust to the times. I think there's there's fairness on both sides. And what remains true is that no team is better suited for Rodgers to win a Super Bowl in 2020 than the Green Bay Packers. Right. The offense is literally custom made for him. Matt LaFleur did a tremendous job with it. Um, and uh, while, yes, the defense has been poor, they have a new coordinator and they have talent at all three levels. Uh, and so, no, they know, like, oh, the Broncos, the Dolphins, no team was better. You read Rodgers a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Packers this year. And Rodgers wants to win a Super Bowl in Green Bay because he wants the fans to love him and he wants to go up against Favre's legacy, so on and so forth. So I'm not surprised he's back. Uh, I'm surprised he reported at training camp. I thought he'd take a couple of fines just like, like, eh, screw you. But he didn't do that. I uh, reported at training camp. So <laughs> uh, um, uh, he's here. He's going to go out this season. It's going to be a swan song season. I'm really rooting for the Packers to win the Super Bowl. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be, uh, uh, you know, they're going to like have an amazing defense. Joe Barry's going to solve all the problems and the storyline is still going to be Rogers. Um, but it would be, it'd be very fun for Rogers to kind of like tie this all up in a bow with a Super Bowl win. Um, and then next year he's going to play somewhere else. And whether or not they win the Super Bowl this year with the Packers, the, f- the, you know, oh, you know, we've talked about like angry Aaron Rodgers, the fire lit under Aaron Rodgers, the fire with which Rodgers is going to play when he's trying to win a Super Bowl, not in Green Bay is going to be absurd. Uh, and I'm very, <laughs> again, like as a, as a dispassionate fan, as not a Green Bay fan, I can't wait to see it just because it's going to be messy and, <laughs> and petty and drama filled. It's going to be fun. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think that I empathize with both sides. I, I expect them to get at least, you know, a deal in place to get it done this year, and they did. And I think Rodgers will go somewhere else next year. And then what will be interesting then is poor Jordan Love and just watching how he plays and then watching what Rodgers does at, at his new home and seeing who wins that race between Roger List Green Bay and Rodgers, wherever he is, who is more successful in like a three-year time span, because that'll be the one who really feels like they came out on top. I think it's always good to to hear some perspective <laughs> from non-fans, uh, you know, as as we get really sort of Im- embroiled in, in our own Packer fandom um, about the situation. But, yeah, it'll be interesting if Rodgers moves on and then, you know, Jordan Love will take his rightful place as the next Hall of Fame quarterback in the Green Bay Packers uh, You keep telling yourself that, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty good at denial. So, um, you know, one of the things that we like to do when we have guests on the show who um, are fans of of other teams or who cover other teams, just getting a perspective around the league. And and obviously you you follow the Eagles really closely. And I wanted to get your thoughts on where you think the Eagles kind of fall into place within that NFC East rankings. And then also, you know, what what do you think of Jalen Hurts as a potential franchise quarterback? Eagles are going to be bad. Uh, it's mostly because the roster's bad, and it's mostly because they haven't drafted good players or signed good players, which is kind of how football works. Uh, yeah, now the um, the the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017. They had a really good offensive line, and they had a really good defensive line, and they just decided that they were going to do that forever. Um, and so now their entire back seven is abysmal, and their wide receiver room is no proven production, and it's just kind of a mess. Uh, and so they won't be good. Like, Hurts could be good, and the Eagles will still be pretty bad. Uh, Hertz is a very high floor player because people think that like running ability for quarterbacks gives you a high ceiling. It actually gives you a high floor because running ability really shines when it gets you out of bad plays. Plays that are sacks for Matt Ryan become eight yard gains for Kyler Murray. Right. And avoiding negatives means your offense stays on schedule. And any defensive coordinator will tell you the whole goal is to just knock your offense off schedule so that they can try to win third down. Like once you get to like second and five. They're, the defense is like, all right, we just got to get, we're getting back to first and 10. You know what I mean? We've got to knock them off schedule. And so that running ability gives you a high floor. So Hurts is a very high floor player uh, because of the scramble ability. As a thrower, the reports are that he has made strides, which is good. He needs to make significant strides to be an NFL caliber passer. So the the significance, the, the uh, caliber, the quality of the strides is what's important. He was not an accurate passer last year. They avoided the middle of the field last year because he wasn't comfortable throwing there. Uh, he needed all these these uh, manufactured throws in terms of rollouts and sprint outs and half field reads. And so uh, he has so many strides to take as a passer that it is difficult for me to firmly believe he can win the job this year, especially when you consider that the supporting cast isn't going to be able to buoy him in his weaker moments. The, the wide receivers are rookies, the offensive line is old, so on and so forth. Uh, and so I think Hertz is going to be a backup in the league for 10 years. I think it's the ideal backup because he prepares like he's a starter and he works his butt off. He's a great culture guy, great locker room guy. Mm-hmm. I do not think he has the ability as a passer to hold down a starting job. Definitely right now. I'm not sure he'll ever have it. And on the Eagles timeline, he, Hertz has a year. And if he doesn't show it, then they're going to start using their, the, the picks they've traded for to bring in a different quarterback, whether that's a veteran or, or trading up for a rookie. And so he's got a year. I know he's gotten better as a passer. I'm just not sold that it'll be enough to lock down this job. And especially with, like I said, a, a generally poor roster and unproven offensive coaching staff with him. It's just tough to have faith that he can get it done. There is a, a way, but it's a narrow way. I mean, there's not a team that's maybe easier to root for 
as a jump? Just because you're talking about Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith. Is there anybody that's easier to root for than Devonta Smith? And then we were big fans of Kenny Gainwell. So there's a lot of things there that would be really fun to see come together for the Eagles. And I, I hope that Hurts can do it. I think that there's some if there's somebody that you want to see find that success and make the jump, just because they're willing to put in the work um, and play their kind of a game and, and find some success, man, that would be a lot of fun to see for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a division that you guys, you know, anything could happen, I feel like, in the NFC East. So uh, we will see what happens there. But, Ben, we do want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us and talk football today, talk Packers, even talk a little bit of Eagles on this Packers podcast. Uh, Why don't you just take a minute and tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter if they don't already, which is totally crazy, uh, and then maybe talk a little bit about what's coming up for you now that you're over at the Ringer. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Uh, just had my first piece come out, which is exciting, uh, talking about how maybe Chris Ballard should actually go get a rookie quarterback instead of just like <laughs> hanging out. Uh, <laughs> had my first podcast as well. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL Show wherever you get your podcast, but also do it on Spotify because they own us. I work for them. Um, yeah, we talked about we ranked like top ten quarterbacks. We did like top quarterbacks for 2024. I ranked Aaron Rodgers very highly because he's very good. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that. Uh, yeah, so no, it's it's all preview stuff. We have a couple series coming out at the Ringer for the next week in terms of different angles and looking at this 2021 season, which will undoubtedly be a fun one. So yeah, I'm just excited to uh, to get going, man. That sounds awesome, man. Definitely make sure you give Ben a follow. You will not be disappointed that you did. Ben, we love your content. We love your insights. And we really, really do appreciate you taking the time to join us. And good luck in all that is ahead of you. And congrats on the new gig. Thank you so much, fellas. Always appreciate y'all having me on. So that is all the time that we have for today. Another huge thank you to Ben for for joining us. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packer Day Podcast. Please subscribe and consider giving us a rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week we'll be back getting ready for the preseason opener. I don't know. Can you believe that? That's next week, crazy. preseason yeah, opener. Uh, thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go, hey, go!